The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I have this dream, Jess, of like having a belly and being legitimately pregnant and having this really beautiful threesome and like just having this really intimate experience with Connor and someone else. And I feel like that would be so healing in a lot of ways and also just such a beautiful experience for both of us and that person because it's really like, it's so sacred to be pregnant. This is a Soul Fire production. Well, you guys, congratulations. I'm so excited to hear that you are pregers. Thank you. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Pretty sweet. I'm, I'm just really glad to have you here. First of all, I want to say thank you and give my listeners a brief intro to the magic that you two are. Kelly has been on my show once before, um, but Connor, her husband, is here as well. And they are, you know, founders. And Kelly's the CEO of Soulfire Productions. So when you hear me say this is Soulfire Production, this is who we have today. Um, <laughs> this podcast literally wouldn't be a thing. It wouldn't be possible um, without the amazing company and support that you two have created. So I'm so grateful for that. And I want to dive right in. Should we stay on the baby train? Should we keep talking yeah, about seems to be the theme uh, today. babies yeah. today? <laughs> we can knock that out. Just to give my listeners a brief intro of who you are, maybe you can share a little bit about your journey meeting each other and um, getting married and getting pregnant. Yeah. All of that. You want to take this? I have to start this? Do it, baby. You say it so much more spiritually than me. I do say it more spiritually. Um, so <laughs> let's start at the beginning. So as a child, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so I I was in Austin for oh, about 10 years. I went to school pretty close to there and um, needed to get the fuck out of that place. And I'm glad I did. When I go back, I'm like, this place isn't the place that I moved to when I was needing to be liberated and 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 explore and have freedom. I mean. For context, I grew up in a really small Texas town, and Austin was this place I would go when I was a kid to really just kind of like, um, I started like going to visit when I was 16 to visit my aunt, but I would go there when I was like five or six years old. It's actually the place, I remember the moment that I saw two men kiss for the first time, and I was like, this is the fucking Wild West, man. Like, you can't, <laughs> anything goes out here. This is wild. Um, I like this place. And uh, ended up moving there after college, and spending time there was about there for about 10 years, and owned a CrossFit gym, used to work for a company called Onnit uh split ways with them and then i was like i gotta get the hell out of here so i ended up just like not knowing where i was going to end up just like leaving and i went to seattle uh for a month i was in toronto for a month and then a room opened up in this house in encinitas california and i knew a bunch of people there i had a good little friend group there so i moved into this four bedroom house called the uh, babe dome so they called it because it was full of all all girls um at at one point but then it was like me and another dude and then two other girls that i was friends with and lived there. I was there for about six months. And then on my birthday, um, I got this email and I always got pitch emails from like, because I did a podcast that was a spirituality adjacent, even though it was very irreverent and kind of not, it wasn't super soft in that way. Like we, 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 as much as we talked about spiritual stuff, we ripped on spirituality at the same time. And that was pretty aggressive. And it was like, you know, we would just, it was fun. 
but I would get these pitch emails from people that like clearly didn't listen to the show. Right. It'd be like, so-and-so loves your show. And I'm like, this broad has never listened to my show ever or else. And I looked at her stuff. I'm like, this person doesn't want to be on my show. They're just like, this is some service reaching out to me. So I very rarely would respond to them. But on my birthday, I think I was even a little high. Maybe I had a couple of drinks. It was in the evening. And I opened up my laptop and I had this email from Kelly's assistant. <laughs> and it was like, local celebrity Kelly Tennant would like to come on your show and like she can increase your audience and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. But I was just in a mood. So I like responded back with this like snarky email. And I'm like, if she actually listens to the show, uh, she'll know that this isn't like a very, and Kelly's Instagram and like social presence at the time was very like soft, spiritual LA broad, right? Like it was pretty straightforward. And I was like, doubtful that she's ever listened to a second of my podcast come to find out i was very wrong so i sent this kind of email back and i was like if she wants to do it such a dick if she wants to do it i'll do a podcast swap with her where i'm on her show and she's on my show because i have very i have very uh i have doubts about how much value she's actually they they had pitched it like she was going to bring so much value to my show my show was going to blow up and i was like probably not um but whatever we'll do it anyways we'll see how it goes and maybe i'll release it maybe i won't maybe we'll hate each other but then anyways, uh, her assistant ends up copying and pasting something Kelly had responded. So Kelly didn't actually respond. No, she sends me the email from Connor and she goes, I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, I remember exactly where I was sitting in my apartment. I was like, oh, honey, I got this. I had listened to every one of his shows that were recent or talked about ayahuasca. So I literally quoted him in the pot in the email from his podcast and like used my best sailor mouth and was just dropping f-bombs and i send it back to my assistant and i was like please send this to him and she was like okay <laughs> so then i I, love this. Uh, I follow her on instagram we start like dming back and forth and she was going to do ayahuasca which i had she was having like a weekend ceremony which i that's how i started to was like a weekend outside of austin type of thing and um had a pretty rough integration time just like stuff that i had i had never gone through but was familiar with through other people so I kind of talked her through that a little bit. That's how we kind of got, it was, that's a very vulnerable experience. So we got pretty close through that, but nothing was like dating wise. Like we weren't, it wasn't like that. It was just like, I was a person and I always, I was always available to help people who was go, who were going through something like that because one, that's really a ripe time to be taken advantage of by really fucked up people. And I have, I asked for nothing and wanted nothing but to help this person. And I was coaching at the time too. And when my coaching practice was mostly women. So I was pretty good at communicating through challenging experiences. Um, so we started talking through that kind of stuff. And then it, after that kind of subsided, got into more like flirtatious. We actually didn't text that much. We mostly voice noted back and forth. So it was really for cool. like six weeks. Yeah. For, it was a really cool way to get to know each other. And that was via like text. And I was off Instagram, right? Like mm-hmm. I asked for her number and she said no. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. And then she was like, I'm just kidding. Instead. Yes, girl. <laughs> I had to play I a little that. hard to get. Um, but we, it was really interesting to get to know each other via like voice texting back and forth because like you get to talk for like three minutes or five minutes, like uninterrupted. So you can just talk and think and you can really, really like think about what you want to say back. So it was a really interesting way to get to know each other. And then finally, we got a chance to meet and Kelly like made this like paleo picnic thing and went to this beach in where? Laguna Beach. Laguna Beach. And it was really cute and it was really fun. And Kelly was in this like flowy gown thing and she looked like a goddess. And I was like, uh, and then we like kissed and it was super cute. And then like we moved in together like two months later. Yeah. Kelly always says wow. like, she's like, you said you're going to move in with me. I was like, no, I said I was, I had given notice to end my lease and get out of my, get out of my he gave home. notice and moved in like three days later. I know. But she was like, she was no, cause I had somebody else that was ready to move in right away. But I was like, I was just going to move to LA. I was, I already knew I was going to move. I wanted to move to LA anyways, I, even before I knew Kelly, but she had, she heard. I'm moving in with you. And I was like, well, no, but do you want to, we can talk about that if you want to talk about that. 
And then he's full of up, shit. That's not what happened. That's exactly what happened. Fine. That's not how Kelly remembers it, but that is exactly <laughs> what went down. In my mind, that's what was going down. It doesn't matter. But Kelly, I was also like, though. Kelly was also like, even then is like, and now in our relationship, for the most part, is like kind of the boss. So like, whatever she thought was happening was probably what was going to happen. And it, whether or not she knew it, she wanted me to move in with her. So we of did. Of I did. And uh, yeah, yeah, so she will change any of the facts to fit that narrative. Um, <laughs> and then, it, I mean, everything moved pretty fast, you know? I mean, we, uh, it was, it was kind of, but being six older. Later, we lived together. Six months later, we bought a house in Denver. Um, the next year, the next year that we got engaged. Yeah. And then got married six months after that. Yeah. And then started IVF two months later. Wow. So this all happened in the yeah. last three years. Yeah. I mean, you're, you'll be 35 in December. I'm 35 now. So it's like, we didn't have a ton of time or like we wanted to have a couple kids. So it's like, we didn't really, we were totally cool not getting married, uh, before having kids. Um, or at least the first one, but I was ready. So, and we were going to Hawaii. So I, I got a ring made and did the whole thing. And I carried that fucking thing around with me for the whole time we were in Hawaii. I took it. I went actually went hunting for three days or two days, three days. Um, and I didn't, I didn't trust leaving the ring in the hotel room where we were staying. Because you would so find I, it. I, no, because somebody might steal it, right? Like, you don't ever know. Like, I've had, we've had people That's at true. retreats and stuff. Somebody, like, snags, you know, it was in a fanny pack. So I, like, had it in this box in my fanny pack. Never left my body. Like, <laughs> it was either in my backpack or in that fanny pack. And then Kelly would even hand me the fanny pack because I was carrying this. It's like how I was kind of carrying, you know, at the beach. I was carrying all my stuff around in it and didn't even know it was in there. And then when I finally went, we were at this place called Queen's Bath in Kauai. And I had to like, I was so anxious I was going to drop this thing in the water. And so I had taken like the place on your board shorts that holds your keys and like looped it into that and put it in my back pocket and like couldn't sit down. I had to like sit down on my like left ass cheek and like trying to like be sly. But I didn't know when I, I didn't have a plan. I was like, we're going to go somewhere. That's perfect. And I'll just do it there. So I was like in constant anxiety the whole time we were there <laughs> trying to think about like, when are we going to propose? When are, and then we were at Queen's Bath and I was like, this is beautiful. And there was like 50 people there jumping into the water. My brother and his wife. His brother were there. and they videoed the whole thing for us. And like when I proposed, like all the people like were cheering and stuff. It was super cool. It was, <laughs> it was great. really fun. Yeah. Wow, that is so magical, you guys. And then just... that same day, hang on, one more time, one more thing here. That same day, I just happened, we were at we were getting Asahi bowls oh, at this yeah. place. And I had gotten Wi-Fi at this place um, that we didn't know was vegan, but it ended up being okay. And um, <laughs> I was kind of bummed, but I really wanted real food. Um, and I opened up Redfin and I saw this house that had been listed like six hours before. And I was like, this place is fucking cool. And so we, we called her. He looked at me and he said, this is the house. And I said, okay. And so we, we didn't, we ended up flying back. It's in Golden, Golden, outside of, outside of Golden. So we're like in the foothills outside of Golden. Um, so we ended up, we were already, had already moved our flight back up. So we didn't, we got like two hours of sleep, got, got back to, got back to Denver Maybe had like a little bit of rest. We had like an hour after we got home because we flew overnight and then had to come check out this house and then had to put an offer on the house the same day. So within and like- And then we got it the next day. Then we got it the next and day. And we so moved like, in two weeks later. So within, within three days or four days, we had gotten engaged, found a house, put an offer in the house, had the offer accepted. <laughs> like it was just crazy. Was like that's insane. just the theme of our relationship. It's just like things just fucking go when they go. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Though. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. It's so funny. I resonate with a lot of, I mean, you guys have the best banter, first of all, and you can just tell how like 
playful and comfortable you are with each other and you still have like your own identities that you get to be like, ah, uh-uh, that's not how it was. Yeah. Um, so you find a lot of times when people get married or they decide to be together, they sort of become one person. That's yes. definitely not you guys. I don't think Connor would allow that. We rub off on each other for sure, but yeah. not... Yeah, it's not a it's not a um enmeshment as much isn't that much. No. Codependent for You're sure. Very but codependent, not, but not <laughs> That's cute. Pasha and I actually put a house, put an offer in on a house when I was in, I think Bali or somewhere. Mm. Like I hadn't even seen it. And it was the home that we bought in LA, ended up getting accepted before I got home. I came home and saw it and it closed like very shortly thereafter. So good thing I liked it. Um and good <laughs> yeah. thing good thing you love your house too. I would love to hear from you, Cal, like, did you know at any point when you were sort of pitching Connor on the internet, you know, in an Instagram DMs, and there's like starting to be flirtatious energy that this would turn into what it is? Like, I feel like women, sometimes we have intuition where we can see where something is potentially going, or was this all just unfolding and totally organic? And you were like, okay, great. Now we're here. Or did you know that he was like your person? So it was really interesting when Connor and I first started talking, I had just come out of a relationship and had had an abortion and I was in a really, really rough place, which is why I was going to do ayahuasca. Cause I was like, I'm at a point where I like, I need support. I've done stuff on my own. I've just gone through this really hard thing and like, I need help. And I was not open to dating. Like I was so heartbroken and just crushed. And I was just not in a place looking for love or anyone at all. And when we first started talking, it was it was just fun. I was like, oh, this guy's hot. He has an amazing voice. I love his podcast. I've learned so much from him. But it felt like kind of surface level. And I felt like, oh, we'll be friends. But it really quickly turned. And I would say a couple weeks into talking, like I knew I was in love with him. I was in love with him through voice notes. Because of this buttery voice, dude. How could you not? How could you not? Yeah. You might be in love with me after this podcast. It's very, I, I might be. I don't know. This yeah. is all of my listeners are now in love with you because you spent, you did, you did a 10 minute monologue. So I'm going to be getting all these. Yeah. I'll send Thank them you to for Kelly. acknowledging that. <laughs> I'm not known for being short winded. No, he is not. Um, so yeah, I knew I was in love with him and then it was really interesting. So we were set to do our podcast swap and we were going to meet up and record these shows. And a week before that, I was a little tipsy on the couch with my girlfriend and we were watching a movie and I just got the balls up to tell him, I was like, I can't wait. Like, I have to meet you. Who was this that you were sitting with? Anjali. Oh, okay. And I was like, I have to meet you. Like, I cannot wait. So we planned this whole date um, a week before we were supposed to podcast. And um, the night before I went to go see him, I had this really interesting dream. I've never had a dream like this before. But I ran into him in the dream at like a farmer's market and we kind of like hit shoulders. And then I just looked at him and I hugged him and it was like I was home, like I melted into his body in the dream. Given I've never met this man, I've never been on the phone with him. Like we've just voice memoed back and forth for six weeks and I've listened to his podcast and that's it. So I have this dream and I wake up and I'm like, damn, that was intense. Like, that was so interesting. And then the day we met, when I walked up to him and I hugged him, it was the exact same feeling I had had in the dream. It was like I melted home and I had never in my real life had that experience before. And it was 
so life-changing for me because he's not who I thought I would end up with. Like he is, he does not check one box (laughs) that I had. (laughs) Um, and I mean that you really don't, Um, (laughs) but I mean that in the best way because Jess, I feel like you can probably resonate with this. And probably a lot of your listeners is like, I have been such a control freak, so perfectionistic, so, you know, idealistic life. I has to look like this and check this box and be this way. And, um, was always very surface level and materialistic. And I, I realized that Connor is everything that I needed that I didn't know. You know, he's everything I wanted, everything I needed. And I just wasn't aware of that. And it took him pulling me outside of myself to really like look at my life and look at who I was and what I wanted and all the bullshit that I had been through to realize what my life could be and who I could become. And he's my greatest teacher and my greatest mirror. And he drives me fucking crazy. And then sometimes I hate him, but it's the best because he has truly shifted what I know to be possible in my life and who I get to become in him reflecting things back to me. And so it wasn't what I expected. It was such a whirlwind. Um, but I knew so quickly, I was like, this is different than anything else I've ever done. This man is so different. He makes me feel things. I was shaking. It was so weird for probably six to eight weeks. I was like shaking, like that buzzing feeling my whole body was internally buzzing. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I think I lost a ton of weight and it wasn't like butterflies. Like, Ooh, I'm so excited. It was like, and I think part of it was like post ayahuasca too. It was like my cells were changing by being Mm -hmm. with him and around him. And my whole body was reintegrating and I was becoming this different version of myself that I finally liked. Like I, I finally got to like myself and love myself for the first time. And I credit him with so much of that. Not that he did it, but he was the catalyst for it. Yeah. It's like he showed you a different side of yourself and what was possible and like created a space, whether you knew it or not, Connor, for you to grow into yourself. Yeah. I resonate with that so much with Pasha. Very similarly, he looks, he is nothing like the the men that I dated before him. Um, And yeah, I think it's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. I had a feeling. I was like, I think she knew she was in love before they ever even met. Yeah. I think it's just something that, and not saying that men can't feel this way, but yeah. Anyway, thank you for sharing. It's been really, it's been interesting to watch Kelly change though, too. Like, and not, not, I don't want to say like I try to change Kelly, but I definitely like push things on her, which I'll probably do to our kids too. Um, But like, for example, coming from, I just have zero tolerance for like, superfluous bullshit you know like i like toys and stuff but it's like stuff that i use and play with it's like not things to have to have like i had an audi when we met and i was like this is the fucking dumbest thing dumbest decision i ever made like it's shit like that just it wasn't really for me and like certain things like right now like i'm super into golf right now it's that time of year nothing else is really going on the weather's great and i've been like getting into it i'm also a, a white dude in my mid-30s so it's like par for the course i'm about to have a kid like i'll be you know that's what going I into full dad mode really. but like yeah. kelly from this from this person who was like pushing yourself into different areas. Like, for example, just think about like that person, right? Like this person that I had met or knew of beforehand to like last time we went to Texas, Kelly tried to shoot a pig, a wild pig. Right. And I shot a deer that trip and didn't think she'd be, would really be into that. Right. Like it's, but she was there for it, which was really cool. It was the biggest deer I've shot. And it was like a management buck on this, my friend's property, our friend's property. And, um, 
and doing all that and then like we were actually quartering this thing up like like butchering this deer in the back of a in the back of the like utv and kelly like grabs the leg and like starts pulling on it so i can like get the thing off i was like this is like who the fuck are you you know but that was just i was just so impressed by that because that's like not an easy thing to do and it's it's miles away right and even doing something like playing golf or something silly like that it's like one thing Kelly didn't like to do before was like things she wasn't great at. You know what I mean? It's like she like going and just like sucking at a thing with the potential to be good if you put some time into it. But it's like I get so proud of that kind of stuff, you know, and even the way she works out now, like so many things have changed. Like even she was working at a deuce in L.A., like flipping tires and, you know, doing all kinds of crazy shit. And it's like just that willingness to like try different things. It's really good for us. I also love to be a teacher. Like I coached CrossFit for seven years. Um, I was a personal development coach after that. Like, it's just, it's, it's in me. Like, I can't wait to coach little league and stuff like that. So having that in our relationship where I'm like, Hey, let me show you this or show you that, or try this new thing out or think about this thing a different way. You know, what would it be like for you to like actually, you know, kill something and like turn it into food and like have that energetic exchange with being involved in where your food comes from, like things that you haven't thought about in a different way. And seeing that change has been really, really cool for me because it's just it's because it, I know it's uncomfortable, but I also know and it takes effort. It's not like it's a thing that just came naturally. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by that all the time. Yeah, well, so I've always I mean, I don't know you very well, Cal, but you just strike me as the type of person who does jump headfirst into things. Um, <laughs> and maybe I'm like totally off base, but I just when I I don't know, maybe because of the context I know you in is like you know, leading this company and trying new things. And it always seems like every time I show up to like a mastermind, it's like, we're going to try this and see if it works. And we suggest you do this. And, um, you seem like the type of leader that's like, I'll do it first, see if it works because it might work for people that come after me. So I don't know how that translates into your relationship with each other. Um, but I don't know, it doesn't seem surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's interesting. Thank you for that reflection. I don't, I'm pregnant. I'm crying. It's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> yes, um, please. <laughs> Cry on my show. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I wasn't raised to like try new things. Mm. I was raised in a bubble and everything was like dangerous and don't do that. And my mom was like so overprotective of me. And like, even when I was playing volleyball, I was really good at a young age. And so my parents wouldn't let me ski anymore. And Skiing was what we did every year. We were in the mountains all the time in cabins. I loved it. It was so fun. And I just, I had all these things ripped away from me that were fun to me. I wasn't allowed to dance anymore. I wasn't allowed to swim anymore because it was like all your focus had to be on volleyball. You can't get hurt because of scholarship opportunities. And so I feel like my whole life I've been scared. And Mm. ever since I met Connor, I'm still fucking scared of a lot of things. Um, And I like, you know, tread lightly oftentimes, but I feel like he brought this like curious energy into me and into our relationship where I got to learn how to not be scared and how to look at things through the lens of curiosity. And what if, like, what if you just tried that? And I think the other part is I've always been really good at everything I do. Like I've always been the best athlete. I've always been a top student. I was on the cover of magazines at 16. I was recruited by Stanford at 11. I had full ride scholarships to every school in the country. I was on, you know, Lakers and Dodgers TV at 25. Like I've just always been really good at everything. And so I got used to just doing the things that I'm good at. And he showed me that it's okay to not be good at something, but still do it. And 
that that doesn't mean that I'm not good enough or that I'm bad or that I failed because my whole thing was, well, if you're not the best, then you're a failure. Like that's the, my, I was like very black or white. It wasn't, oh, you can just try this thing or do this because you like it or because you want to try something new. So when we do go out and do things that are different or even, you know, sexually trying new things, it's like, oh, okay. Like, I don't have to be amazing at this. I can try it. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But at least like put the effort in and see what that feels like. And it doesn't have to come from a lens of fear and danger. It can come through a lens of curiosity. And that's like one of the greatest gifts that he's given me in our relationship. It's it's definitely mm. a symptom of like the different. We actually got in kind of fight about this the other day, um, which we can go into if you want. But uh, just yes, the difference please. of like the opportunities <laughs> that we had growing up, right? Because like, for example, so I'm I'm six foot four. I was about 220, 225 pounds in high school. But I went to a 3A high school in Texas. My coaches weren't great. They didn't do any recruiting for us. Um, I was an all-district athlete. I was, I was good enough to go play probably Division II football, but had no kind of assistance. I had nobody. You know, my grandparents my grand, my grandparents raised me because my parents uh, had struggled with addiction. And I moved in with them when I was about five. And, and uh, my mom, you would never know it now. Like she's, I'm so proud of her. And my dad, too, actually. I've, I've done really uh, well for myself. My dad took a little stint in prison for him to get his shit right. But uh, he's doing a great job now. Um, but you know, my grandparents were like my parents to me and they, they raised me. My grandma had my mom when she was like 17 or 18. My mom had me when she had just turned 20. So my grandparents were the age of most people's parents. So I grew up in this environment where they didn't, they, they were poor, uh, but they had made money and, um, you know, through just hard work and, and sweating it out. And, um, I just didn't have the access to things like so when Kelly complains about things like being controlled or, you know, being getting pushed. recruited and being pushed. I'm like, I would have fucking killed for that. Like I was talking to a guy out at the, at the, at the driving range yesterday and he went to South Lake Carroll, uh, which is a big school in, in, in Texas. And I'm like, dude, I would have killed to go to that school with these, these high schools in Texas. It's a different thing. They recruit college football coaches to coach their high school football teams. Like it's a different thing. And I'm like, if I would have just had access to that, maybe I could have, you know, gotten to play football at TCU where I always wanted to play. You know, maybe I could have been a tight end or maybe I would have had these different opportunities. And Kelly had all of that. So what that, but what that gave me was, and my grandfather was a big part of this, was like this tenacity of like, just fucking do it, man. Like, it's like, if, and if I suck at something, I get even more obsessed with it because then I'm frustrated that I'm not good enough to like have fun with it. And it's like, I have a different, we have a different gear in that way. And I think it's actually balanced each other, each other out well, because I'll sit and like, if things aren't going well for me with bow hunting or whatever it is, like I will find a fucking way to figure it out because I want to do it. And the fact that I'm not good at it makes me want to do it more. Cause then I get pissed. And I was the same way when I was a competitive CrossFitter, I was too tall to be an individual athlete, but I didn't give a shit. I was like, well, then I'll just get really good at things. I'm maybe really good at and try and be as the best I can at the things I suck at. And that's okay. Like that's, and maybe I'll beat people. And that's what I wanted to do. Like my knee sleeves literally said, beat everyone. And that made me mean like, that didn't mean like get first every time. But that's like, beat, like if you can beat people, beat the shit out of them. And that was just like my, and it, not like physically, but you know, sometimes. But yeah. it was just like, that was my mentality. And I think it's really interesting to see the difference from like being, you know, having, being a one sport athlete and that was, and athletics was a big part of our lives. And I assume that'll be going forward as well, but it, that does shape a lot of you. Cause that's where you get your early adversity from your like teammate team, you know, communication skills, <laughs> friendships, a lot of that stuff comes from those early uh, experiences. And, and I think growing up with somebody like my grandfather, um, who got a seventh grade education, his father died. Uh, he had to drop out of school with his little brother so his sisters could go to school because they had to make money for the family. And like just that kind of person being in my life, like definitely changed the way that I view the world and it had a big 
shape shaped that in the same way that Kelly and her kind of like being funneled into this thing and having fear around everything that wasn't focused on that shaped who she is. And I think that that helps us kind of balance each other out because there's certain things and I'll get myself in situations like I did almost died last year elk hunting um, where I'm like, dude, like if it would have been what, four years ago, I wouldn't have been like, oh, whatever, like shit happens. I'll probably die out here anyways. But I was like, I had to sit down and have a conversation with myself. Like you've got other things to live for now, dude. Like you've got to figure this shit out and like not put yourself in these situations. Um, as I was like dry heaving, cause I was so anxious that I just fallen off a fucking boulder <laughs> and didn't know where I was falling to and like grabbed onto a tree to help me from, keep me from rolling down a mountain. Like it was, wow. it was sketch. It was real sketch, but it was like, that's Kelly. That's not me. You know what I mean? That's like Kelly's influence on my life was like, dude, there's more to live for than like going out in a blaze of glory just because your ego wants you to. Well, and Jess, I'm sure you and Pasha probably have these conversations. I think this is probably really normal for all couples is like, as we have been talking about having children and now because I'm pregnant, the, the conversations are more prevalent of it's our own projections of our experiences. And Connor brought something up the other day, which is what caused the fight that we had. And all I could see were flashbacks of my childhood and my mom controlling me and telling me, no, you're not allowed to do that. No, you have to do this. No, this way. No, that way. And I was such an overachiever because I never wanted anyone to be disappointed in me. I had to be the best and I didn't you know, want to let anyone down. And so Connor's talking about this thing and I can't hear him because all I see is my childhood flashing before my eyes and my resentment for my parents and my regret of not doing X, Y, Z. And it's so interesting how getting to this point in our lives and being this age and having children it brings up things that you may never have looked at because you really question, okay, well, what was my childhood like? He wants to create a better life for our kids than he had. And so do I, but what that looks like is very different. So it's just so interesting the way it it creates conversations that we've just never had to have before. Like Mm -hmm. I had the freedom Kelly never had, and she had the uh, focus and um, support that I never had. Yeah. So, and we both resent those things for different reasons. So it's kind of this yeah. weird, yeah. And it, so whenever she got upset, I was like, I was like, dude, you don't even seem like you're talking to me. Like, it's like, you've never, like, you don't even know who you're talking. Like, what do you, you're, the things you're saying like are so far from the, the, the basis of reality. Yeah, well, I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to my mom. Exactly. Yeah. And it was really, conf- I was like, what are you, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> fuck are we talking For about sure. <laughs> once you're activated, like once your system is activated and you're in like essentially a trauma response, you're not talking to the person you're present with. You're, Mm-mm. you know, ultimately just sort of hashing out everything from childhood or teenage years. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. Posh and I have very similar conversations and we've learned that in therapy. Like our Gia will literally say, okay, you're not speaking to each other anymore. Jessica's clearly 11 years old in this moment. So (laughs) 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 and like, I don't even take offense to it anymore because I'm like, she's right. Like I am. Um, the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate. Simply fill up an orange hefty renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. And I'm glad you touched on that, Connor, because I was actually, I was going to ask you, because um, I think like, and I'm so glad, Kelly, you gave your perspective of how Connor has helped you grow and get curious. Um because it helped me understand too. Not that I didn't get what you were saying, Connor, but it really painted this clear picture for me. And I was curious, aside from maybe helping you look at your life as, as more, you know, um, this is my life and it's important and I don't want to lose it uh, on the side of the mountain. How else has Kelly really caused your growth in the last few years that you've been together? And in what ways has she pushed you um, into uncomfortable places? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And it's something I actually think about uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, one thing that always frustrated me, I didn't have access to a lot of the things that I really wanted to try to do uh, and support in that. Um, I feel like I was always just like spinning my wheels and trying to like prove that I needed to be X, Y, or Z based on what people thought or who I was, you know what I mean? And um, with Kelly, it's like, I've actually in this really strange way, like I have definitely have like more to live for <laughs> with everything that we've kind of put together here. Uh, and there's a structure that I, I never really had, um, which I don't adhere to very well, but I definitely try. It's miles, <laughs> it's miles better than it was. Like Kelly may not know that, but it's like, there's more to, you know, um, but I get, I get to try things and I actually understand like in our relationship, I get to be myself because that's my, like, that's, that's my role in our relationship is to be myself. And that's never happened before. Um, I've had to like try to be somebody else or like reevaluate myself and try to like make myself fit in a relationship. Whereas because we are so different and have, but also have common values, I get to be like the fun one and the playful one. And the one that like gets us to go do weird shit or takes us on some random adventure. And like, that's the value that, and it's, I feel so, it feels so good to me to be valued for the things that I just love doing. Right. I don't have to really, um, censor myself. I know that definitely causes problems sometimes. Of course it does. but. And that's to be expected, but I get to, it's, I've never felt like that free before, um, in any, in any part of my life, you know, and that's one thing too, when there's kind of expectations like levied on you and you went and I had been in situations where I'd like failed, I'd failed a business, I'd failed at this. And I always just felt like a fucking failure. And then in this situation with Kelly feeling supported and feeling like I can be like who I want to be. Uh, and we have the space and of course we're very like lucky and, and, and privileged to be able to, to kind of play with things like that when it comes to, especially with work and stuff like that. Um, it, it's really nice to just know that like I'm here and I'm, I'm wanted in this relationship for who I am, not who I might be or who I could be or my potential. It's just like, I'm in this thing because of who I am and that's good and that's respected. And that's appreciated. And that makes me feel really 
uh, like valued as a human being. And that's something I think I hadn't really experienced too much of in my life up until now. Hmm. Wow. That's beautiful. That's like what a gift. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is like, she's actually helped you lean into becoming more of who you are and like loving Mm -hmm. yourself for who you are. Um, which is like the best gift that you could really, um, give anyone and allow yourself to receive because a lot of people will reject that. I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, and not feel comfortable. They'll want to stay in a pattern of trying to be somebody else or, you know, be everything that somebody wants them to be in different spaces, which it sounds like you did a lot of that previous to Cal. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that Connor and I have done well, and I credit this to probably meeting later in life, not that we're like old, but we met in our thirties, is that we both dated a lot of people and we had a lot of experiences and he was single for longer than I was before we met, but we both got really clear in what we did and didn't want and what we were and were not willing to tolerate anymore. And I think when you're in your 20s, you don't have the ability because you're still figuring it out. Like you're still dating yeah. and having sex and like doing the thing. But Wait, I think and you need to have time to like see what your patterns yeah. are. Like you don't give yourself enough time to be like, oh, what is the what's the dysfunction that I'm like inviting yeah. into my life? We talked about this um, on OK Babe with you guys. It's like at one yeah. point you have to give yourself enough time to realize that it's, a lot of it's just you. <laughs> you know, and I'd gotten mm-hmm. to that point before Kelly and I met. So I was single for like a couple of years and un- intentionally and just dating. I mean, when, we, when she, she messaged me that email, sent me that email, I was dating three people and I had to like, two weeks later, I'd ended all of that stuff. Like I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of committed to this thing. And I had a feeling this was going to go somewhere, but 1000%, like I think that absolutely played a huge role in just like us doing, having done that work. Yeah. And I think we were just willing to have the conversations with each other that we were never willing to have with other people. And this is both of our longest relationships. And usually like I hit two years and I run because I'm like bored, I'm over it, whatever. There's something wrong and I'm not willing to deal with it. Um, And this is the first time where every time there's a conflict, although I will revert to my like, well, maybe we just shouldn't be together. Like, (laughs) I'm willing to stay and I'm always willing to work it out. And I want to because I love him and because I know that relationships take work and I know that there's no perfect relationship or perfect person. And I think he realized that from his relationships too. And so I think that we brought a different level of commitment into this relationship than we had ever before. But I do think that, you know, it's because of the context we had in our lives and the experiences we had and we were willing to sit down and just be really honest about what we did and didn't want and not lie to each other or lead each other on and just like lay it out on the table. I mean, we laid everything out on the first date and it was like, this is the deal. I was like, okay, let's do the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, um, Kelly, you've been on my show before once. Um, it was a while back, but I haven't gotten a chance to have this conversation with both of you. Um, for those of you who haven't listened episode five with Kelly, we go into a little bit of the monogamish of your relationship. Um, but was that a conversation that happened early on between the two of you? And Connor, you just said I was dating three people when I met Kelly. So were you already sort of openly dating people and honestly dating multiple people? Is that something you had experience with before? Yeah. I mean, it was uh, casual. Me it that. wasn't like a I wasn't like in a, I wasn't in like three relationships. I was, you okay. know, like I was seeing somebody and kind of talking to somebody else. And it was like I was split in three different directions that way. But it was like everybody knew it wasn't a it was nothing was 
there was conversations had, but it wasn't super serious. So there wasn't a lot there going on. But I had realized, so after my last relationship before Kelly had ended, um, that was kind of my impetus to like get out of Austin. A lot of things had kind of gone down, but I really just started getting kind of curious about myself and noticed some of the trends, like I said, like the things that were you. And I was like, you know, I think my life would just be a fuck ton easier if I just dated someone who was into women. I would like to try that, like genuinely into women, right? And not like, oh, like it's, I made out with my friend in college type of thing. Um, and I started looking into that and having done enough research and talked about like different relationship structures, I knew that that was, you know, 25 to 40% of women were into other women. Right. So I was like, well, so that just cuts my dating pool by, you know, 40%, 50%, 60%, right. That's still a lot of people. So I'll just hold out and I'll just try and date some women that are bisexual, openly bisexual and have that conversation. And through all this dating, got to have the conversation about kind of what I wanted as far as not really wanting because I'd been around like op- more open relationships that had gone really south. And I was like, I just, it seems like a lot of energy and it's like constant conversations. Like, I don't really necessarily want that level of, 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 of openness necessarily. Um, of course, I'm open to seeing where things go. But um, I definitely wanted to be like, hey, let's, I want to be able to invite other women into our relationship and like feel like we're doing it together. And it's like we're, it's like we're as a team, you know, <laughs> we're interviewing as a team. And, um, that was something I was pretty committed to and had tried some things. I definitely had some threesomes and stuff with different people, just kind of randomly throughout life. And even when Kelly and I went through this like, uh, shamanic, uh, somatic work, I don't want to call it somatic therapy. Kelly calls it somatic therapy. I won't do that. Um, but it was really interesting because they asked you to write out your peak sexual experiences and all of mine were threesome related. Um, and we had to talk about that. That was really, we had already had the conversation before, but when we went through that process, we had to discuss that even more and like what that meant for us. So a lot of those big conversations at first were actually done kind of under supervision, um, which Mm. I think was cool too. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Yeah, So that was really helpful. But Kelly, whenever we were first talking before it had been like anything flirtatious was like, I'm done with men. I think I'm just going to date women now. And I was like, oh, really? (laughs) 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 Sounds awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I like, I did say that in jest, but I think there was a part of me that, I mean, I definitely was done with men. I was really upset with my ex-boyfriend and, um, I was just tired of the experiences I was having. I didn't think I was like going to go date women or anything like that. But when Connor and I started dating, um, and after I had done ayahuasca, I started to kind of put some puzzle pieces together for myself. And I realized like, oh, I'm actually sexually attracted to women. And what does that mean? And I started looking back at like friendships that I had in college that had kind of fallen apart. And I started realizing that the, I had like bailed and they had fallen apart because I was in love with girls and they didn't choose me. And they were like doing all this dumb shit that I didn't want to be a part of. And I, I started to see just these patterns. Like one night I got really drunk on tequila with my girlfriend at this party and we were sleeping in a bed together because we were staying at our friend's house. And we wake up the next morning. She's like, um, do you remember last night? And I was like, no, I was like totally blacked out. She was like, you were literally fondling me all night. She was like, it's totally fine. I'm not upset, but I just want you to know, like you were definitely touching me everywhere. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so I just had those types of experiences where I was Lots like, of indicators. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, clearly like ladies in, got it. In, in reflection, it was like pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. it was super obvious. Um, I'm all, I've always been the ass grabber and the, you know, the, the bean dip boober and all the things. So, um, I 
told Connor Wait, I, what, I was I'm having sorry. this feeling. What is the bean dip boober? I've never heard oh, this expression like, before. It's like when, when you scoop up underneath someone's boob. Yeah, like it's a locker room thing usually. Oh. Like it, everyone's naked and you just go up to a girl and like scoop under her boob. It's like you call it bean dip. I it's love like credit this. card when so you slap your hand of someone's ass. Like I didn't play sports, thing. so this is okay. Oh. That makes sense <laughs> yeah. to me. Okay, yeah. bean dip. Locker Uber, rooms, got it. Locker, Don't worry. locker rooms would disgust I'll you. I'll bean dip you next time I see you. <laughs> okay, um, cool. It's a new form of hugging for you know us bisexual gals. Um, so I told him, but I was really confused because I was having these conflicting feelings because that wasn't ever like an option for me. I didn't grow up thinking, oh, you can like boys and girls. It was like, no, you do this thing, and then there's lesbians. Um, and so we just started to be in conversation about it. Then we did somatic therapy, had more conversations. And my, the female practitioner, Heika, is also bisexual. And so that was really helpful for me because she was able to not like teach me, but just help me better understand myself and like, the feelings she I was could relate, having. She could relate to you. Yeah, she yeah. related. And like, especially the conflicting feelings, because I was going through a lot of shame at the time. Um, it was very much like, my parents are going to be disappointed in me. I'm disgusting. This is not okay. I had like this demonic voice in my head on repeat all the time. And I was having kind of like panic attacks and just freaking out about it. And um, then I was also extremely, extremely turned on. And we, we made up this girl, Becky, um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Becky. one time, um, which has been like an ongoing joke, but yeah, I was like, well, I asked her, yeah, how did you do we it? were in bed and I was like, we were talking, we've been talking about it. And I was like, okay, like, what does she look like? Like, what is, and then we just like, and I just, I named her Becky. It was like, we kind of like created this avatar of what Kelly was into yeah. and used that for like fantasy purposes. Cause that was pretty, um, it was like safe. It was not threatening. Yeah. It was just like not a real person. We're not like fantasizing about somebody we know. Yeah. And it helped me, like I was super aroused by that. And so it helped me better understand like my body's cues and get out of my brain and into my body. And something Heike taught me is like, when you're in these situations, you don't have to trust your brain. Like that, that demonic voice you're hearing, you're disgusting, you're gross. Like you don't have to trust that that's not you. That's a lot of programming and stuff from your environment, but you get to trust your body because you're connected to your body and you've done a lot of work to be connected to your body. And so my body was constantly saying, yes, more, please. And my head was saying, this is fucked up. What are you doing? Um, and so I really like in those moments where we got to play and like have fantasy and all of that, it really taught me how to trust my body and trust Connor. Um, and so from there, then we started having, um, threesomes. We started with a really close friend of ours. Yeah, I was like, you know, she wants to fuck you. Right. And she was yeah. like, no. And I was like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, there, I mean, you know, it was like a really close girlfriend. It felt very safe for me. It was her first time too. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, there may or may not have been a little MDMA involved and it was great and it was really safe and we felt really good. Um, I had like a minor meltdown for a minute cause I was like, what are you doing? and Connor just like talked to me and everything was good. And so that was really like the beginning of, of everything for us. Hmm. Interesting. Can I ask a quick question? <laughs> no, I, I love this. Yeah. It's so many similarities and Kelly knows. And for those of you listening, like our first threesome was with a really good friend also. And I think it really does give you like this gentle stepping stone. Um, because so much of your story about the body saying yes and the head saying no, that's how I was through my twenties, whether I was in relationships with other men or single and potentially having experiences with women that I would just bounce. Like as soon mm -hmm. as it would get too heated or it would cross the line into like 
going from gentle making out or look a little bit of fondling into like, oh, this is a sexual experience. I was out because my head was like, this is wrong. What does this mean about you? All the things. So I so resonate with that. Um, I was going to ask Connor, had you had an experience with your friend before or was this brand new? Um, the girl no. you're speaking of. It was okay. Kelly's friend. Yeah. Oh, it was your yeah. good friend. Okay. Yeah, it was my good friend. And we all went to a concert together and we were like dancing and hanging out. And he was like, she's definitely into you. And then <laughs> I think it. what? It was like a week or two later. It was like a week later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We were actually yeah. moving out of the apartment. Yeah. It was the night before we moved to Colorado. Yeah. It was like boxes. The place was full of boxes. Yeah. It was like, like the our, bed was like one of the only things left in there in the yeah, couch. Yeah. It was the going away. The going away. It was fuck. definitely yeah. the going away. One last hurrah in this place. Yeah. And then <laughs> totally opening a new chapter in Colorado for you guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, well, I know you're pregnant now and I'm so curious, you know, it's been a while since we've chatted about sort of your relationship as things have unfolded. And yeah, we had a great Instagram live at one point. Um, and I know that you were in this place where I think I remember you asking me this question and I was like, this is such a good question. How do you know that like this is uncomfortable in a good way and I should continue to explore this? And how do I know that like this is an indicator that this is not safe and I'm kind of abandoning my body's response in these moments of pushing the envelope with women? Um, because at that point you had only been really having experiences together with another woman. So where are you now and where are you mm -hmm. headed now that you're bringing a baby into your family? I guess just to, to touch on that last thing is like, have you discerned for yourself what that is in trusting your body, trusting your emotions, but still pushing the envelope so that you can grow in those areas? Because I think that's like probably the most important thing. Um, for That's been the most important thing for me to decide and has opened up the path to so much more. Um, is like trusting my body in these experiences. Yeah. No, I'm saying it wasn't, we weren't only exclusively together. Well, I had experiences with what, with, three or four women? Yeah, but you also had with, um, what do we call her? Oh, with Roxanne? Yeah, I was Roxanne. like, almost like in a full-on relationship with Roxanne. Like we were in love with each other. Yeah, which was a, it was a much, so I don't want to, Make it sound like the only things we've ever done have always been together. Like yeah. Kelly had the freedom to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, with women on her own. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. And, that, and that was a really, there was a lot of feelings there. That was a, that was a pretty challenging time, but yeah. the st question still stands, but yeah. I just want to add some context. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But to your point, Jess. Um, so we haven't done anything in a while. It's been a really hard six months for us. Um, IVF started in December and completely derailed me and us. <laughs> Um, my sex drive has just been in the tank. Um, sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to anyone about this. <laughs> um, mm. but I've just never felt more disconnected from my body because of all the drugs that I've been pumping myself with. And like, yes, I see the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm pregnant and that feels great. But it's like the last six months have just like sucked the life out of us. Um, and me specifically, which then sucked the life out of him because I haven't been myself. Like there was a day where he's like, I just don't know where my wife went. Like, I don't know who you are. And that was so sad to me because 
I don't know who I am, you know? And it, I'm just now like the last couple of days I've like kind of felt like myself and I'm like, Whoa, that's so weird. <laughs> you know, like I'm being like funny and playful and I'm still like an emotional roller coaster, but I'm like starting to feel like creative again. And like, I'm excited to work. And I haven't felt that since last year. And like these hormones, I feel block, block you from yourself, block you from your intuition, block me from any spiritual connection. and like I've been questioning, like, am I bisexual? Because there were, there were like six weeks there where I like didn't feel attracted to other women at all. And I was like, and I didn't want to say anything to him because I didn't want to freak him out. But I was like, so scared. I'm like, shit, like, was I doing this just to please him? Like, this is so confusing. And then I just didn't want to have sex at all. And then things that would normally turn me on, like, I love watching him have sex with someone else when I'm there. Like that's a huge part of our threesome experience. And the idea of that made made and makes me want to vomit, you know? And so I'm just, it's been really confusing for me and I can't discern what's mine and what's the hormones and what's the baby. And it's just been like a really confusing time. And we've had to have like a lot of hard conversations. And we, we actually just ended up starting therapy a couple of weeks ago because this was so much harder than we ever anticipated it was going to be. And I'm so grateful that we've only done one round and got pregnant. I don't know how people do this like over and over. I have so much respect for couples that do this. But um, that being said, we tried a few times earlier this year um, and it was just a disaster. Um, I am just I have been so insecure and I have just felt so disconnected from him and just the normalcy of us. And kind of like Pasha was saying earlier on, on the okay, babe is like, we haven't been a hundred percent. And so when you bring someone else into that, it's a mess. And we ended up having a foursome with these two other women. Um, and I was literally sitting on one of their faces sobbing and I like called it. I was like, I can't do this. And like, I had to take him downstairs and he's like, what is going on? Cause I planned it. It was like a surprise for him. We've been talking about doing this for two years. Like I, I was like super close with one of the girls, like had hooked up with her by myself and it went great. And I was like, this is going to be it. Like, I'm so excited. We're finally going to do this thing. Like before we get pregnant. And it was such a disaster. And like, we ended up coming upstairs and he's like, you need to tell them what's going on. And like I'm, we're all naked. I'm sobbing. The girls are holding me. I'm so embarrassed. He's so embarrassed. Like, and also feels bad for everyone. And I'm just like, I can't do this. Like I'm trying to do everything. I'm trying to like take hormones, get pregnant, run a company, be a wife, keep our house together and like have threesomes. Like I can't, I'm not emotionally there. I can't handle it. Um, and so, yeah, we've just had to have a lot of conversations about that. And, um, I'm becoming more of myself. Like I've been like sending him pictures of girls and, again and she's super hot and, you know, and talking about it. And we had sex the other night and like I was able to talk about someone else in a fantasy way. And it felt I was like, oh, my God, it's us again. And so I feel like we're getting back to it. Um, but this is my long winded answer to we haven't been able to do anything or be the monogamish couple because the hormones just like completely derailed everything and, and just took us out of our rhythm and how we were. 
Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I was like, usually I could, I could like pop off and say something about some girl on whatever, you know, um, a TV show or something. And it would be like normal. And Kelly would say what she thought. Now, you know, we'd even do that with guys too. It's not like an uncommon thing. And that was like upset her. And I'm like, dude, what are we, what is going on? Like, this is not like, this is like normal. I'm just trying to be normal fun. Cause whenever let's, we talked about this kind of relationship in our relationship dynamic is like when things are a little bit heavy, like I try to make light of things, you know, it's kind of what I do. It's my role. So that's how I try to make things better when you're stressed out or, or whatever. I'll just make jokes or, you know, I'll just like, I'll try to like make it fun and just try to you know, lighten things up a little bit because it's a, it's a, it's an unavoidably heavy situation to be going through this. And since we did the egg extraction and both of our extractions right up before we did the, like we had a, a, so Kelly was herself for like two weeks in a six month period. So it really wasn't fair. And it's not fair for me to ask for anything really. But I got to the point where I was like, I just would like, would like to have a conversation about this. But even that I'm scared. Even when she brought up another woman in the bedroom, I didn't even get involved with it. I didn't say a fucking thing. I'm like, I'm not even, I'm like terrified. His dick got really hard, but he didn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> so your it's like, body it, but was it's talking, also, but you made sure that your mouth was closed. Yeah. I was like, yeah. tight, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep going, I guess. But uh, I was like, I'm terrified. Uh, but it's also like, it just is what it is. It's not like, it's one of those, things, it's just life stuff. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not Kelly being, you know, change your mind, but I have to also be able to speak up for where I'm at in this whole situation without it being like a, you're broken or you're something's wrong with you. That wasn't what we were getting at. It was just like, Hey man, I'm kind of like, I'm trying here. And like everything I'm doing, it seems to be making it worse. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm throwing gasoline on a fire and I'm like, I think I'm trying to put it out. You know, it's, it, it's been, it's, so that was really a lot, but it's gotten way better. And I think there's room for it. You know, so even I said something about it the other day, but, um, Kelly was like, yeah, I kind of like feel it again, you know? And I'm like, okay, cool. I just have this like, dream and I don't know if I'm going to get there I don't want to put pressure on myself but I have this dream Jess of like having a belly and being legitimately pregnant and having this really beautiful threesome and like being held by a woman and having her kiss my stomach and hold me and like just having this really intimate experience with Connor and someone else and I feel like that would be so healing in a lot of ways and also just such a beautiful experience for both of us and that person because it's really like it's so sacred to be pregnant you know and I don't know I love being held by women I love that sensuality and I think that it would just be such a remarkable experience um and I of course don't want to force it and I have to be the right person and I'm sure a lot of people would be weirded out by that but (laughs) I feel like with the right person, it could just be like so magical and so like transcendent in ways. Mm. Kelly, first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable and so open. Um, this being the first time that you spoke about this, like I, I had no idea. So I'm just grateful um, that you have shared this with me and my listeners. It takes so much courage to put your sex life on, you know, kind of display as much or, you know, as little as you want to. I think we're very similar in the nature that we do keep things private, but we like share things that we think can help people. Um, and just, it makes so much sense that you would feel that the way that you feel and the things that you've gone through, because I know what it's like to do IVF. We did two rounds for two egg extractions. We technically did two and a half rounds because our first one, we missed, um, Mm. the trigger. Date. So it was like a long three months and we did them back to back of just 
a mess. And I can't imagine actually having tried to be with other people because what came up for me when you were sharing is like, you know, we are so sort of pre-programmed with so much survival instincts. Um, you know, we were talking about the, the book earlier on, okay, babe, like Gabor Mate and everything that's like in your genetics. And I was just thinking, as you were saying that, like, you know, as women, I think, you know, and I'll, I'll go like on a tangent really quick, but we literally needed men to survive, to provide because we weren't not able to work or own land. And like, it's like, who is going to take care of you? And now you're unborn child. And I think that it's not crazy to think that those things get triggered. And so if there's any inkling of fear of like being abandoned, now the stakes are extremely high. So, I mean, I think it's just so normal that you would have had that response. And so many other people have probably been through exactly what you went through in that moment. And so to hear that you were looking for the space for yourself to take a breath, to consider what if this is it now? What if this is how I am? but also to be open to it coming back in and now feeling like yourself. I think it's so beautiful that now you are looking at it like, where can I have an experience to heal what I just went through and lean back into my sexual expression? Um, and I, I like resonate with that so, so much because I think that there's so much magic, obviously, in being pregnant. Like you literally have a portal to life in between your legs. And to want to be held by another woman and nurtured in that experience is like so fucking cool. Like, yeah. I think that that's <laughs> incredible. And if it's meant for you, like you'll, you'll attract that experience. And I definitely want to hear about it when you do. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but thank you again for sharing. And I think that these are the things that you will look back on as a couple and know that that's actually what has made you stronger, more communicative and more sort of intimate in your conversations. And, you know, it really does, it up levels all of your communication because you really bear your soul when you're like in the middle of something and you're like, I need to stop. And you're crying and you're like, I can't do this. Like you are showing all of yourself. Um, and when your partner gets to see that is like freaked out as I think it makes everybody in the moment. It's actually like, so incredible because you're not hiding anything. And then, you know, Connor gets to love you deeper and find more ways to make you feel safe, which in turn will create the space for you to be more expressive, which is ultimately like what you both want to get back to, not even just sexually, but just like in life in general, like your expression as a woman, your creativity um, and getting back into all that. So, yeah, I really appreciate that story. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I feel like I could really pick your brain all day long. Um, and we should reconvene this conversation maybe when you do have a baby. <laughs> so I feel like in the meantime, um, you'll be busy growing this little one and creating space for the baby in your lives. I guess the, the last thing that I'll I'll ask is, what does this journey look like for you to running this company, starting a family? Um, what's on your heart sort of in, in these moments now as you're moving forward? Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I think I'm sort of reevaluating how I want to spend my time and I've just been so tired and throwing up every day. And so it just really forces you to kind of prioritize, like, where are you going to put your energy? And I, 
I am the type of person and I've learned this, especially through human design is my, my personality and my type is I really like to go in and explore something. And then once I feel like I'm like complete, then I'm done. I don't linger. I don't hang out. Um, and so soul fire has been my baby for so long. I mean, two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've poured my heart into it and we're expanding. I just hired five new people. Um, and I love what it does. It's not ticking this creative part of myself and this challenge that I'm really like yearning for. So one of my best girlfriends and I are, um, working on launching a company that's focused in the maternity space, um, and for moms and moms to be. Um, and so we've been working on it for a couple of months now. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can launch that next year, but that's like really kind of scratching that itch for me that I have with doing something new, going in, really being challenged. I don't know a ton about the space um, in a lot of ways of, of how we're approaching it. And so it's really bringing out this different part of me that I really enjoy. And it's so nice because Soulfire and the way we have our company set up is I do have a lot of freedom to do other things and create. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and Connor hasn't been as involved in the day-to-day of Soulfire. Um, which has allowed him to spend so much time on his podcast. And he's also, and I don't want to speak for him, similar to you and Pasha, um, <laughs> but he's also kind of going through the, his own reckoning right now. Like, where do I want to spend my time and energy and what actually makes me happy? Um, that's kind of where you are. Yeah, I know. It definitely changes. I don't know. I've wanted to be a dad for so long. So it kind of changes just the way I look at life. You know, I'm pretty stoked for the whole thing. And I'm really excited that, the way our lives are set up that I get to be as present. So it's almost, I think, I mean, in infancy, not so much, but like into toddlerhood and that kind of thing, it'll be more of a 50, 50 type of type of split as far as that goes, which I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about. And, um, I don't know. I, I get excited about silly shit, like coaching little league and dumb silly things. <laughs> oh just, my like, gosh. I get that. I'm like, they're making a ton of assumptions about well, who this kid is going to be. I don't even know yet, but, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's exciting to me, you know? And, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, let's say even when I talk about parenting and stuff like that on the podcast or things parents go through, like, I'm just like, I'm not a parent. I don't know. I, can, I've, I was a kid once I had parents. So like, I kind of have that view of thing, but I know like, I'm just open to so much change that's going to inevitably happen, you know? So I just, I'm more curious, which is a, kind of a constant state of being for me so i'm just like it's, it's it's like the outlet for my curiosity at the moment and uh be reading a lot of books in the near future so that's gonna be exciting um you and pasha yeah. are so similar it's like absurd yeah. because there's nothing more that he wants than to be like a stay-at-home dad and just like coach the little league and like read all the books and he's like you could he's like convincing me that i'm still gonna like travel and do like week-long retreats like in in Sedona. And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm going to be home with my baby. And he's like, I'm going to be home with the baby. <laughs> like, he literally said that I'm only allowed to hold the baby while I'm breastfeeding. And then I must be, I must go to another room and he'll ring a bell when the baby needs to be fed again. I was kidding. I'm was like, kidding. I'm the wet nurse for our child. Okay. Got it. But did he's you, like so excited to hold the baby. Yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. Um, did you tell her about the other wet nurse situation? No. <laughs> Go what? ahead. It, needs, right. it needs to be said. It'll be better if you say it. No. So like I haven't had the sexual drive and uh, yeah. And so Connor said that we needed a wet nurse for sex though, for him. He needs a wet nurse. 
Yeah. So now it is our joke. While you're, like while a you're fucking motherfucker. I was like, oh, because wet wet works in so many ways. I was yeah. like, oh, we need like a wet nurse. He's like, nurse. you know, like a wet nurse. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> so, the time now that may sound really rude and like inconsiderate. In the in the moment though, it was so fucking. It funny. was really. We were like funny. in bed. I think we were fucking. Around. I think after the last hour and seven minutes, people have a pretty good idea for our relationship. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, bullshit. And like, <laughs> honestly, if you cannot bring humor to your relationship and your sexual adventures, if you are trying new things and want to be outside of the box, you are doing it wrong. Um, yes. People get yeah. really Agreed. uptight about jokes like that. And I'm like, sex is supposed to be fun and funny and all the things. So I appreciate you too. Can't so, laugh, so much. you're not going to survive. <laughs> I was yeah. me there's a big market out there for during pregnancy wet nurses. So if anybody's looking for a business, I'm saying. <laughs> business. A business. <laughs> a business. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you guys are the best. Um, you're I the best. I can't wait to come visit. You. Seriously, Please. I'm sad I missed you last time, but Denver feels like it is definitely on our path at some point. So we'll get to see you guys in Bring person. It. This has been okay. so great. Yeah. You're the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you soon. Well, that's another incredible conversation in the books. It's just so incredible that I get to do this for work, that I get to share all of these amazing people and our thoughts and our conversations with you all. When you guys write into me, DM me on Instagram, it really means so much to me to hear about your journeys. So please don't ever stop doing that. Um, I love hearing from you. What would mean the world to me is if you left a review for this show. There's a link in my bio to do so. There's a link in the show notes. And it just makes my day. It makes me smile so, so big. We're also on TikTok. I make funny videos sometimes. I make dumb videos sometimes. They're not always great, but I share a lot of educational content both on Instagram and TikTok. So make sure you're following me there and I'll see you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.